Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we have been talking about critical theory. Maybe just a couple book recommendations before we get started. There was a, a, This is a small book called That Hideous Strength, a playoff of one of C.S. Lewis's books. That Hideous Strength, How the West Was Lost uh, by a guy named Melvin Tinker. Uh, the subtitle is The Cancer of Cultural Marxism in the Church, the World, and the Gospel of Change. Real quick, um, we have not been we have not been claiming that, that critical theory is only in the political sphere. It's very much in the church sphere today. In fact, uh, as one author said, it's creating a fault line within evangelicalism where you have one side that's very much promoting critical theory and one side that's very much against it. Um, and then one more book. Um, this is not written by a Christian. In fact, this guy claims to be an atheist. His name is James Lindsay. He co-writes the book with Helen Pluckrose. It's called Cynical Theories, but it is excellent in terms of being able to wrap your your mind around um, what critical theory is. And then one more book. You want to plug that last book? A lot of people just make reference to this book. I haven't had the opportunity to read it yet, um, but a lot of people would say this is the book to read. So I'm very excited to, to read it to see if that's correct. But it's Carl Truman's The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Um, my wife has started the book, and she would not say that this is an entry-level book, that this is a harder read. Um, so I think there are better places to start, but mm-hmm. I think eventually you want to get to Carl Truman's The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Yeah. Okay, so you're framing the discussion today, Pastor Phil. <laughs> Okay, well, we've been talking about uh, critical theory and uh, its various applications, one of which uh, is critical race theory. And that's the idea that all injustice, all racial injustice in society can be attributed to dynamics of power. Uh, It's essentially Marxist. It's saying that you can divide ethnically uh, or, or racially between uh, oppressor groups and the the oppressed. And the solution is the overthrow, complete overthrow of the system so that now there there can be equity. Um, And we are maintaining that Marxism, critical theory, is not the solution. It partially, and I want to reemphasize, partially is right in diagnosing the problem uh, no, nobody is nobody is saying that racism is not a problem in our society. Of course it is. It's just another dynamic of our human sinfulness and rebellion against God. What critical theory does is it feeds human pride and resentment. Marxism feeds human pride and resentment. The gospel calls all of us to humility. And I think that there's an incident in the Gospels uh, which really speaks to this. And I'm thinking of Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. And it's about uh, an incident, an encounter between Jesus 
and a Syrophoenician <clears throat> woman. Uh, now, let me say, before, to, just to set this up, in the, in the first century, at the time of Jesus, in, 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 of his earthly ministry, there was tremendous ethnic resentment and animosity between Jew and Gentile. It's one of the central issues of the New Testament, by the way, is the new relationship that Christ has established between Jew and Gentile. But there was tremendous resentment and, and animosity. On the Jewish side, uh, there was the temptation to ethnic pride. We are the chosen people of God. Uh, John the Baptist, by the way, exposed this in his ministry. Uh, John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3 says to the Jews, he said, Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Uh, in other words, don't, don't think that your, your Jewishness makes you superior to anybody else or, or gives you a special in with God. And then on the non-Jewish side, the Gentile side of, of that, uh, there's resentment against the Jews. Who do these people think they are calling themselves the, the chosen people of God? Well, anyway, there's this encounter between Jesus and a Syrophoenician woman. Syrophoenicia, uh, Matthew calls her a Canaanite. Uh, Jesus is up in the region of Tyre and Sidon. He's gone outside of the territory of Israel, of the Jews. And uh, this is kind of a preview of the gospel going to all the nations. But anyway, I'm going to start reading chapter Mark chapter 7, verse, verse 24. And from there, Jesus arose and went away into the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, let me stop right there. I used to read this, and particularly, I think, when I was a young man, and I first read this, and I thought, oh, Jesus, come on. Be more like Jesus. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? What are you? This woman, her heart is broken. Her daughter is demon-possessed. She's desperate for help. And Jesus says, why would I take the children's bread? And he's talking, when he says the children, he's talking about the Jews. And remember Jesus said, I came first to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oh, Jesus. And he says, why would I take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Oh. And, and dog was a, a Jewish epithet against Gentiles. Uh, for, for many Jews at that time, those, those two were... Two words went together all the time, Gentile dog. And she answered him, verse 28, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Now, as I've studied this passage over many years and meditated on it, I have a totally different take on it now than I had as a youngster when I really thought Jesus really could have handled this better. He handled it perfectly as he did everything else. 
uh, what he's saying to her in a very direct way. He's saying, if you're going to come to me in faith, you've got to leave behind all ethnic pride and all ethnic resentment. That won't cut it with me. And it may sound harsh, but look at her response. Yeah, I know. I know I'm not one of the children. I I know I'm not a Jew. But even the dogs under the table get a few crumbs. And Jesus immediately affirmed her. If you're going to come to Jesus, if you're going to know Jesus Christ, if you're going to know his saving power, one of the things that you cannot bring along with you is ethnic pride and ethnic resentment. That has to go. And uh, we come in complete humility. There's an old hymn that says, nothing in my hand I bring, only to thy cross I cling. And critical theory, critical race theory, encourages us to, to, it feeds racial pride and resentment. That's why it's not the answer. The gospel is the answer. And if you just back up just a little bit, in, in so many ways, Jesus is at least in some level saying, I'm not going to allow for entitlement. Mm-hmm. And critical race theory, unfortunately, is, is actually creating entitlement. Yes. And it, if you go to the Matthew account, in so many ways you see Jesus growing this woman's faith. Mm-hmm. When she first comes, he's silent. So there's this silent Jesus. And then she continues to beg, and then you have the disciples saying, send her away. So they're against her. And then eventually Jesus does talk to her, and then it it feels as if she's he's insulting her, calling her a dog. And then you have this incredible response of the woman where Matthew says she falls and worships. It's translated that she knelt, but the knelt there is, is actually a posture of worship. Yeah. And she in essence says, I know I don't deserve anything. I'm giving away all of either the resentment or the entitlement, and I'll take what you'll give. And if if all I can get is the crumbs, I'm happy with the crumbs. Mm-hmm. And the crumbs of Jesus, I mean, look at how amazing it is. The crumbs of Jesus are is casting a demon out of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. And she realizes this. And this is where I'm, I'm so afraid of where critical theory is going because they're promising a feast and it's going to leave everyone that dines there hungry. Mm-hmm. And really what, what people need, so to speak, are the crumbs of Jesus, mm-hmm. which are going to be better than the feast of the world, the feast of critical theory. And I, I just, it makes me sad that that people are being promised something that can't deliver mm-hmm. and this is why we continually say no the gospel is what the solution is and we need to know what the gospel is yes. i mean there are are some wolves in sheep's clothing and then there are some well-intentioned people within evangelicalism today who have bought into critical race theory hook line and sinker and they're telling you no 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 this is jesus's view of the world uh, this is what what the gospel means is you know this idea of 
you know, redistribution of, of race reconciliation on the terms that we are defining. And I would just suggest to you that if, if you are a, a Christian in a church and your your leadership is is starting to, to talk about these things and echo to outcome, you need to go back to the scriptures. You need to go back to the standard. Um, even the apostle Paul himself commended the Bereans uh, th- through Luke for testing everything that he said against the scripture. Just because someone hijacks Jesus and says, well, Jesus was for this, doesn't make it so. A claim is not an argument. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a good place to go is is, is Ephesians 2. Um, we don't have time to develop this, but I would encourage you to read prayerfully through Ephesians 2, 11 through the end of the chapter, where it talks about the, the outcome of the gospel. The outcome of the gospel is it, it breaks down all walls of division. Because the, the wonderful truth of the gospel is that once you believe in Christ, you're united to him, and all of that fullness is now ours. And then as I'm united to Christ, so is my brother and sister who might be a different race or color or gender or whatever it might be, and we're all in Christ together. I think the danger is living as hyphenated Christians, and we don't want to live as hyphenated Christians. We are believers together. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 